Welcome to Stutz Cast. It is Tuesday the 26th of January, 7.14am. I'm a little later than I usually am. Uh, that is because I wasn't intending to come out this early this morning, but I hadn't reckoned on the uh, persuasive power of Rooney, who's been staring at me whilst I'm having my morning coffee with such pleading eyes that uh, I relented and uh, here we are, out again. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Stutzcast and uh, let's see what we can cover today. Okay, well, off we go. Down the uh, same old trail. I'm going to start mixing it up fairly soon, but uh, for the time being, this is a good trail to be on. Now, I'm walking past that uh, preschool centre this morning, and for those of you that <laughs> listened yesterday, you might remember that uh, it was too early for the kids to be being dropped off, but this morning, yep, the early kids are being dropped off by those poor working mums. You might be able to hear them. Yep, you probably can hear them in the background just uh, saying goodbye to their kids. So today is much warmer than yesterday. So again, I checked the temperature before I left and it was uh, 30 degrees. Uh, positively balmy, 30 degrees. It's that's that's in Celsius for you Europeans. That's uh, about freezing. <laughs> so uh, quite warm, really. The last couple of days it's been so bitterly cold that uh, even with gloves on and lots of layers, you know, fingers and toes stiffen up. But no, nope, today's going to be all right. But I can tell you that. Uh, Today's cloud is quite dense. We've had no cloud for the last couple of days, which is why it's been so cold. But today, yeah, there's lots of cloud up there. And the forecast is for snow tonight. I think it might even come in this afternoon, so. Yeah, I can, I can believe that. Usually the temperature kind of does warm up a little bit when it snows. Ah, there's a, there's a lady and her doggy. I think he's called Ben. She's often here this time in the morning. She throws a tennis ball and he goes charging after it. Nice bark. We might hear some of that in a second. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Come on, Rudy. Really gets pretty excited around any other dog. He's a friendly boy. But uh, Ben likes to go charging around the football field. I, I'm calling it the football field. I should really call it the soccer field. Just to be clear, as we are in the US of A. That's what it gets used for now. Walking dogs. But no sports. Not until this COVID restriction gets lifted. So, because my first attempt at podcasting was such a failure, 
because I couldn't get my microphone, I didn't know until I listened to it afterwards, but my microphone was rubbing around all over the collar of my jacket. It made it pretty much impossible to hear. I'll try and cover some of the things I tried to cover in the first podcast, which kind of introduced why I'm doing this. Um, I can't really say that there's a, a, a strong rationale for doing this podcast. I sort of remember Jerry Seinfeld when he was talking about, you know, why his, his show Seinfeld, you know, came about and what was the rationale behind that. And he, he said, well, actually, it's a show about nothing. <laughs> I feel the same way about this Stutzcast. It's really a podcast about nothing. Anything that sort of pops into my head or seems to be worth just talking over and that's what we'll do it's got a sort of outdoorsy theme to it walking dog theme and uh, a little bit of countryside and all that sort of stuff but really the, the gist of this podcast is one man taking his dog for a walk each day and having a conversation with his dog about uh, anything that seems relevant at the time so, that was the point, and I introduced my dog in that first podcast, which got lost. So I'll introduce him again. His name is Rooney. He's a black Labrador mix. Well, he's a rescue dog, he's about six years old. And uh, the story behind him is we lost our Labrador, purebred Labrador, called Shadow, back in 2014, uh, to Lyme's disease, which is prevalent in these parts. Uh, it was a sad, sad time, but as anybody who loves their pets knows, uh, they're really family members. But we, uh, you know, we grieved a little bit, and then um, my wife, Christina, is a fitness instructor. And one of her clients, she's a fabulous lady and she's got a heart of gold. And what she does is she rescues dogs um, from dog pounds. And uh, she tries to find uh, homes for them. And uh, her organization, if it is an organization, I think it's really just her, but she calls it Little Black Dog. And the Little Black Dog, uh, the purpose of the Little Black Dog is to try and save little black dogs from being euthanized and the the story behind this is that uh, for some reason i mean obviously a dog pound can't keep all the rescue dogs that they come across forever you know so eventually they have to euthanize them if they don't get you know, if, if they're not found homes and uh, it seems that the black dogs are the last to get chosen, particularly down south. And I, there's an under, underlying kind of um, concern there, which I don't like to think about. Uh, but anyway, it seems to be that down south they don't like their black dogs as much as up north. So what she does is she goes down south, and Rooney came from Georgia, and uh, she brought him up here and uh, she must have found him in a, in a you know, rescue centre. 
But, but he, he, I don't know if he would have been euthanized because he was only nine weeks old when we got him. Anyway, she spoke to Christina and she said, I've got this, if you've just lost your Labrador, I've got another black dog. Uh, I think she sort of billed him as a Labrador, but we really weren't that fast. And uh, she said, would you like to try him out for a night or two? And, um, you know, see if it works out. If he likes you and you like him, then maybe you, you could keep him. So of course, he said, yeah, we'll give it a try. And, uh, oh, just, just pause a second. Now, yesterday, I was, if you, anybody listened to this, oh, there's some ducks, I just disturbed them, but there were some duck-like waterfowl uh, swimming in the creek with kind of white, sort of bonnet-y type heads with a black streak and then uh, black bodies. And I've come across some more of them this morning. But I did look them up yesterday and they're called buffle heads. And uh, what's interesting about them is they, they, actually they're doing it right now. They, they, they swim and they move with ducks. I can see the ducks that they're with. They're slightly smaller than ducks. I, I had them at around about uh, 10 inches, but according to the, uh, the book, I looked them up and they're more like sort of 15 inches. And they, uh, they, they do not, they, they migrate, so I don't know how long they're going to be here for. And they don't nest in Connecticut. They uh, just passing through. So they're called buffleheads. And uh, whilst I'm talking to you, that hawk that I saw yesterday, there he is again. He's, he's actually just been flying, so I'm about 10, 15 minutes later than I was yesterday. And he's just gracefully landed in a tree, the same tree I think. That, oh, he's flying off again. And I saw him yesterday, now he's just moving branches. Get a better view. Of course, with no leaves on the trees, he stands out. because <laughs> he's, he's got a bulky shape which uh, stands out on the sort of uh, the naked branches of the trees. You can see him from miles off, which is to his disadvantage at the moment. Oh my God, wait a minute. I have completely missed this guy. There's another one. He's, he's perched in the tree only, well, I'm right underneath. Ah, oh, I've disturbed him, he's moved off. Now that one's got a white belly, I don't know what he is, but oh, here he's flying off to another tree. Yeah, the wildlife is out this morning. So back to Rudy. Um, yeah, so he was delivered to us. And I did notice that uh, when he was first delivered, he was a, a puppy, nine weeks old. And I did notice that um, he had a, quite a big head, I thought, for a Labrador, but he was black and uh, cute and I also noticed that he was you know his mouth was very wet and I asked the lady you know what, what, why is his mouth so wet she said oh, I think he's just had a drink of water so I wrote it off and thought oh, fair enough anyway the two things that I observed when I first saw him the big head yeah uh, head got bigger and uh, as he grew, he got stockier. And I noticed that uh, he's a tough looking dog. His legs are sort of shorter than you would 
expect a Labrador's legs to be, and his ears were slightly shorter. And he has a white splash on his chest. And uh, when friends came round to see him as he was growing up, they started to say, that's a pit bull. And I think, well, I don't think, I'm pretty sure that uh, he's a pit bull lab mix with a, with a fairly hefty dose of pit bull. He's six years old now. Yeah, he must be 66 years old. And uh, what I can tell you about pit bulls from my experience of one, or half of one, is they are the most affectionate and uh, intelligent of the, all the dogs I've ever had. And I grew up on a farm, so we've had all kinds of dogs. But uh, this one, he loves people, he reads people, he watches and he seems to be able to pick up on your mood by your body language and tone of voice and I've never taught him anything deliberately you know I've never been one of these owners that goes to dog school and teaches his dog obedience and all that sort of stuff he just picks it up and uh, he's, he's absolutely part of the family now and uh, when Maya went off to college in September uh, over in uh, London University in England we dropped her off and I, I warned her that she might have some homesickness because she'd never really been away from home before. <laughs> sure enough. Oh, the tears on FaceTime. But funnily enough, the thing that she was missing most was Rooney. So, you know, he's, he's carved out a place in all of our hearts. Wonderful dog. Uh, there you go. Morning. So that's Rooney for you. And uh, he loves to come on these walks. So the other thing about Rooney is this uh, wet mouth that I noticed. That, um, turns out, was not that he just had a drink of water. That's because he has an, an absolute fear of travelling in cars. He, I, we've not been able to overcome this with him. And uh, as soon as you put him in the car, he starts salivating. And uh, after a mile or so, you know, very quickly, he throws up, which is a very unpleasant and awkward uh, affliction to have, really, for a dog. But anyway, we, we moved to Fairfield from Westport uh, back in April last year. And uh, he, you know, we couldn't take him down to the park in the car because he just couldn't get him in the car. Well, I mean, if we did get him in the car, he just stopped throwing up. So we gave up and we just used to sort of, we had a, like a half, half acre plot and we used to let him run around in the yard all day. But it wasn't really adequate. But when we moved to Fairfield, there, there are all kinds of paths through the salt marshes down to the beach, right opposite our house. So he gets really quite an upgrade in uh, quality of life. He gets to walk every day without having to go in any vehicle. Take him for you know a good long hour's walk in the morning, and uh, usually about you know, 30, 40 minutes in the evening too. So life's improved for Rooney. Um, 
so yeah lockdown it continues and uh, if you were listening to yesterday's podcast I was explaining that uh, I'm out of work and I've been out of work for a long time since what this this stint since July absolutely no money coming in got an interview this morning for a job which I talked about yesterday but uh, the, uh, the, the the good points about lockdown that uh, you know not everything's disastrous um, another good point about the lockdown is cooking can't really go out to restaurants anymore we used to go out to restaurants frequently but we don't go out at all anymore there are restaurants and you can still in this part of America you can still go to them but you know it's, it's rather off putty so we've given up that completely and as I've got the time as I'm at home uh, I started cooking a lot I, mean, I cook every day now so last night we cooked or I cooked uh, an Indian meal Christina's usually one that cooks the Indian being half Indian herself she's got this kind of natural inherited sense for it she got from her dad he was a wonderful cook but I thought I'd go. So I got the Magda Jaffrey Indian recipe. And uh, it was actually that my decision was inspired by Maya's, my daughter's uh, takeaway the night before. After I'd gone to bed, she got herself a, a dal and a peshwari nun. I thought, and I had a little bit of that left over at lunchtime. I thought, yeah, I fancy an Indian meal tonight. So I made some dal. Not your typical taka dal, it was uh, like gold lentils with uh, browned onions. He browned the onions separately and then dropped them in with the cumin seeds and the, uh, the uh, you know, the hot spices and things. That was pretty good. And then uh, I made a, a chicken dish out of chicken thighs. Um, Makani murg it was called. Gosh, I'm just looking at, uh, just pausing to look at a couple of woodpeckers. They are just pecking away at the bark of a tree. And here's something big muscling in this undergrowth over there. Must be a deer. Yeah. So a couple of woodpeckers are just picking out the bugs from the tree bark. There's something big moving around in the undergrowth. What is it? Bugger like deer. Is it a deer? It's a deer normally would just run away. Can't see. You might be able to hear it on the mic, but cannot see it. Something invisible rustling. Anyway, uh, two very nice woodpeckers. This one's one of those red-headed ones. He's uh, having his breakfast. And yesterday, around about the same spot yesterday, I saw that uh, grey bird that I couldn't identify. Well, my wife, for Father's Day last year, bought me a little handbook on birds of Connecticut. And I looked him up. And uh, he's grey with a sort of a, a border of white around the, uh, the tail feathers and I'm pretty sure that it's a bird called the Eastern Kingbird 
or Tyrannus Tyrannus, it's called in its Latin name. And it's called that apparently because uh, it, because it, it doesn't it doesn't demonstrate much fear. And I think that's why I think it was him because he wasn't flying away when I uh, came right up to him yesterday. He was just kind of rubbing himself on a branch, probably about uh, ten to thirteen. They said in the book, inches from tip of his beak to the tip of his tail. Something's flashed past me, I don't know what it was. So you get the sense that uh, there's a lot of bird life and wildlife around these areas. Surprising because we're really not very far away from town centre. But I love it. So, uh, yeah, so we had the, back to the Indian meal, we had this uh, chicken dish, uh, Makani Mug, it was called. And uh, really the, the, what you do is you, you bake this chicken in a uh, paste. And the paste is made up of, uh, it's, it's uh, turmeric, um, crushed cumin, um, some other chili, uh, crushed garlic, and then lemon juice. You mix all that into a paste and you coat the, uh, come on Winnie, let's come this way. You coat the chicken liberally in this, in this paste and uh, bake it. You know, you, you bake it for like half an hour, skin side down in the baking tray. Winnie, come here. And then you turn it over and bake it for another half, uh, half an hour, skin side up, and then it goes nice and sort of crisp but juicy and uh, it was really good so I'll add that to the list of things that uh, I can make so yeah when people say to me what did you do during lockdown I'll say a lot of experimental cooking <laughs> but unfortunately the people that have to sample my cooking experiments are Christina my wife and Maya my daughter <laughs> for the most part it works out all right. Sometimes it's pretty disastrous. But uh, last night they seemed to like it. So, as you can hear, there's quite a few birds cheeping. It's much lighter than it was yesterday at this point in the walk. But, uh, yeah, if you can hear that as well, it's the sound of reversing vehicles over by the uh, town dump. You know, it sound really carries. <sighs> Morning. <laughs> Come on, Rooney. Come on. <clears throat> yeah, that's something that I know it's a safety measure and it's necessary, but <sighs> I was talking about noise pollution a little bit yesterday. It, it is a drawback that you have all these vehicles you know working in the uh, the landfill sites in the town dump and of course they're getting backwards and forwards backwards and forwards all the time you know pushing the trash wherever it needs to be pushed but every time they go into reverse these reversing lights that sounds good morning how are you 
Yeah, beautiful again. <laughs> you get these uh, reversing safety sounds so that nobody gets accidentally run over by a truck going backwards. And it's, it's a positive symphony of reversing trucks if you get nearer to the dump at this time in the morning. Yeah, shot for the time being. So there are very few people that I pass on this morning walk. You get kind of uh, used to other people's habits. That, that guy that I just passed, he's just very friendly. I passed him you know, quite frequently. He comes out, he doesn't have a dog, but he comes out and seems to enjoy the morning. Young guy, I suppose he's in his, well, young probably in his sort of early 30s. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I'm uh, just walking past those little kind of waterfront shacks at the moment. <laughs> it, 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 you really can tell who's got the money and who doesn't have the money you walk past these houses, the small houses, the original houses that were put here, when I say original, I mean, let's go back, you know, I don't know, 70, 80 years. Those houses, they're all pretty much the same overall design. They all back, you know, front up onto the, the waterfront, the creek, and, you know, they must have been very pleasant. I'm probably guessing they were second homes for people living in New York. And at the time, people's appetites were probably a little bit more modest than they are now. Now, these homes, which are some of them are second homes, people living in New York, some of them are, I think, first homes, people living here. Especially in COVID, they moved out of New York and moved, moved to here. They, uh, now that this generation of uh, wealth, they knocked down those original shacks. And on the plots that they were on, they put these big mansions, they, they, you know, colossal. Oh, you can hear that reversing noise. That's because we're a little bit later. I can also hear a woodpecker hammering away at a tree. <laughs> Must be a big one. But that's the way things are, you know. And I don't resent it at all. I mean, if they can afford it and they can have a nice life living on the waterfront in a slightly bigger property or a much bigger property, good luck to them. But it just looks a little incongruous when you see the, you know, the, the stark difference in size between the big mansion-like houses and the small single-storey, I suppose, homes from the 1940s or 1950s. Maybe 1960s, I'm not sure. So Rooney, we're now in an area that Rooney particularly likes, the, uh, the bird walk, oh look, one of the birds nests has just fallen over, Gosh. or maybe it's not even been put up yet, it's called, oh no, this is new, Toby's Trail, I haven't seen that before, they obviously tried to put up a new nesting box yesterday, maybe they ran out of time, it's lying on the ground. That was not here yesterday. 
gratitude hearts for me. Dig a good hole for the post. So yeah, really likes this, this area of the walk. Lots of things to smell. And uh, quite often he'll see a deer and go charging after it. I don't know what he'd do if he ever caught one. I mean, I, I like his, uh, the fact he's aiming high, but um, the likelihood of actually catching a deer and being able to do anything with it once you got it, really, yeah, pretty slim. But I think it's just a thrill of the chase. <laughs> oh. Good morning. Don't make a mess. You know, I was talking about Rennie's sort of wet mouth. That's another little design fault. Really, he slobbers a lot. When he's out on a walk, you know, all the scents get him, get his juices going, and he starts salivating. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hanging him down from his, you know, his mouth. And what he does like to do is he walks up to people and sort of smiles and likes to get petted. And then he'll shake his head. <laughs> his ears go flapping around, but of course, all the slobber and saliva from his mouth goes flying all over the people he's going up to say hello to, which probably puts people off. Anyway, I can't help it, can we, really? Usually I trying to remember to bring a cloth with me but I didn't this morning. Walking on the boardwalks. This is a combination of boardwalks and, and grass in this area. But luckily because it's cold, it's, it's not soggy underfoot. Oh yeah, if you were listening yesterday, you might have, you might remember that I was talking about I wouldn't be out on a walk this morning until after my interview. Well, as I already said, I really convinced me more of a priority to take him up a walk, which I have done. So my interview's at 9.30, it's quarter to eight now, so I should be back in good time. I will be back in good time. Sometimes it's good just to go out on a walk and clear your mind. You can sort of get over anxious about things like that. And then it kind of restricts your free thinking and your performance if, you, if you've overthought it. So try not to do that. So it's a, it's a joy to be out here in the mornings. And, uh, you know, it really enjoys it so much that it's infectious. You know, I like to take him out on a walk. Well, there's two reasons. I like to go because I like to go on a walk. And it, you feel, feel your freedom a little bit when you're outside in the open. <clears throat> but I also love the fact that he gets such a kick out of it. I feel guilty that we didn't take him out for walks when we lived in Westport but anyway hopefully we've made amends for that now so I tried to take him up for two walks a day 
but uh, I don't know what to make the second one for how can I say I run out of time and I'm not working but uh, for some reason I do seem to run out of time in the evening the afternoons it's because I get busy cooking Rooney come here Rooney you know, he speaks English Rooney come here he also good boy he also speaks Spanish and French we had one of uh, Christina's uh, fitness group parties her back before Covid obviously it must have been uh, I, I think well it was during Covid but it must have been when there was no lockdown well it wasn't in lockdown now but when it was a little bit less restricted and uh, one of the ladies a Spanish lady was part of the group that Christina teaches and uh, I was just joking with her I said uh, that is such a good dog you know he's he, he so obedient <clears throat> and uh, he, he speaks Spanish. She said, what do you mean he speaks Spanish? I said, yeah. I said, look, watch this. There's a car coming, I'll just let him go past. So uh, I said, I said, come over here, Rooney. And he came over and uh, I just put my index finger up and I said, siéntate. <laughs> sure enough, he sat right down. She said, oh my God, that's amazing. How did you teach him that? I said, no, yeah, he just picked it up. He speaks Spanish. She said, let me try. I said, sure. I said, just, just put your finger up and say, siéntate. So she did. <laughs> he sat down again. Obedience is anything. I didn't tell her that it's actually nothing to do with what you say. It's just the fact that you put your index finger up that <laughs> he responds to. <laughs> anyway, it was worth the laugh. Uh, having said I never really taught him anything I, I didn't even teach him that I just you know one day I just wanted him to learn to say it and I just put my index finger up and pushed his you know put a little bit of pressure on his butt so his back legs went down and he just picked it up in, in one go he probably would have been a great you know guide dog or something but uh, he's docile but there have been times when uh, he scared me a little bit because if another dog, you know, if you're on a walk and another dog that's vicious, you can always tell them. They're the ones that are on the leash in areas where dogs are allowed off the leash. And sometimes they have muzzle guards on. So if you're walking past one of those, what they tend to do is they, they suddenly lash out in fury when they, when they see another dog, when they see Rooney and the owners you know, holding on to the leash, like holding a wild horse. And uh, that annoys Rooney because he's friendly, but he seems to have this kind of like street fighting instinct where, you know, he won't start it, but if somebody wants to go, he'll respond back. The other day, we were walking past this such a, a you know, couple of dogs actually they're big too I don't know what they were but uh, bigger than really and uh, suddenly this dog suddenly this dog uh, you know, jumped to the, to the full extent of the leash and the poor lady owner who was trying to restrain him uh, you know, was panicking I, I thought, well, you know, come on, Rooney, we'll just walk past and ignore that. But no, he wouldn't. He had to go back, didn't he? And have a go. 
So he went in and he was trying to bite uh, you know, the, the, most aggra- the more aggressive of the two dogs. He's trying to bite him on the butt and he got a couple of good nips in. <laughs> and the lady was saying to me, will you please control your dog? I said, I'm very sorry. Rooney, Rooney, come away. I think that's what I was talking to him. And uh, so he does that occasionally, which, which, you know, scares me. So, you know, you, you can't 100% rely on him to ignore and walk on. I guess, you know, that's, that's just what you get when you have dogs. <clears throat> but that, that's the only time he's ever, you know, likely to be aggressive, is it? If, if another dog is aggressive towards him. Or if you're a ra- raccoon or a squirrel or something, then, then you've had it. <laughs> it's, you know, he seems to think that his mission in life is to, you know, attack all, all squirrels and raccoons. And he has had a couple of raccoons. <clears throat> I'm not even going to describe what happened there. Right. They're heading down towards the beach. Come on. Heading down towards the beach. So, this is another favourite part of his. Well, he likes the whole walk. Favourite part of his. So, we're coming, you know, into the sort of middle of the, what is this, the second week of the Biden Harris presidency, the vice presidency. And, uh, Thinking about that, <clears throat> I, I, this is not a, a political discussion or political debate in any way. Kind of avoid that like the plague. You know, I learnt my lesson in America, you, in England, you, 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 or in Britain, you, you might assume that you can tell what somebody else's politics is likely to be just by the type of people they are, the type of lifestyle they live. You know, you can usually pretty much guess. Whereas here in America, I, you can't really guess it. You know, in, in lots of other respects, you might think, oh, these people are very like-minded. And then you find out that uh, they have a completely different view on politics. So, you know, one tends to see a clear of it. I, uh, and the same thing with, with guns. You know, when I first came here, coming from, from the UK, you're not allowed guns in the UK. You know, you, you, you have to have a license even for a shotgun. Or, so, to us, it's second nature that you, you can't just go into a shop and buy a gun. But here in America, oh, yes you can. You know, is it the Second Amendment or whatever, whatever it is? You're, you're right to protect yourself. And, bare arms is, is protected by the Constitution. And, uh, well, you know, there have been a number of awful, deadly shootings. Even here in Connecticut, there's a school shooting. And uh, they're, they're tragic and, and awful. And uh, I thought, you know, especially when the Sandy Hill, the one that was around here, happened, you know, I thought, well, it'd be safe to venture into a little discussion with, a, you know, if you, I think somebody at work or... And I said, God, you know, it's about time that they banned guns in this country. It really is, you know, getting 
it's getting to be an absolute menace, you know, all these kids have been shot. And, uh, to my surprise, you know, I got an absolute opposite reaction. You know, the guys that you discuss it with, there's something deeply ingrained in the American psyche, which is, don't you take away my gun. Well, I guess it's because the, you know, it goes back to the oppression of the American nation by the British and the right to defend yourself against an oppressive uh, authority. They really do, you know, believe in all that. So, avoid that like the plague. But uh, just thinking about the Biden-Harris administration, the thing that bugs me, either way, whatever politics you believe in, what, what really worries me is, you know, when Trump came in, he made it his mission to reverse some of the sort of more headline policies of Barack Obama. So, you know, immigration policies, Barack Obama was trying to make it more possible to, you know, to become legal. You know, Trump decided to make it impossible or less possible to become a legal citizen. Started constructing walls, uh, reversed straight out of the Paris Climate Agreement, um, reversed out of the Iran nuclear deal. You know, it's like, wow, th these policies have just been put in. And, uh, you know, so that must have sent a message to the rest of the world like, wow, you know, America had a, had a position that it took and now it's taken the opposite position. Now Biden's come in and uh, he's doing the same thing. He, he's reversing straight out of the uh, position that Trump's taken on certain things. You know, so the border war with Mexico immediately stopped. The, um, the Paris Climate Agreement immediately rejoined. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Well, I, I happen to, you know, take you know, a positive view on, on, on what he's doing, so specifically, but uh, just saying goodbye to the beach. We just walked along, along the beachfront there, heading back. But my underlying concern is the policies themselves, you know, the fallen was against them. But what it says to the rest of the world is America's position on issues is temporary. You know, depending on who comes in next, you, 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 there's no collaboration between the political sides. You, you either support a democratic position or you support a republican position and the two will be opposite. That's a dangerous place to be. When you're, you know, the most powerful, supposedly the most powerful nation in the world, because you have a leadership role, which, like it or not, you know, that stabilizes the global order of things, you know, and you have pretenders, to, you know, to that position of being the most powerful nation in the world, who are very keen to take over from America, but their agenda, yeah, you know, I could be straying into dangerous ground but I would I would hesitate to say their agenda is less benevolent than I'm thinking of China or Russia 
<coughs> Egypt, you know, these countries have a completely different agenda. I mean, it depends on your perspective and it depends on, you know, what you've been fed in terms of morality and, and politics through your life. <coughs> but uh, China's position is, is fairly aggressive, certainly in, in the Asian part of the globe. You know, Russia's position under Putin is, is well, it's very restrictive, and he's certainly got expansion, well, he has got expansion uh, intentions. Ukraine and Crimea. So, I would, I would offer that uh, America, if there has to be a superpower, whose 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 position on world politics is going to be the one that influences most. If that's going to be America, that's probably the most benevolent of of, of any that could be, and <clears throat> likely to have positive repercussions on at least the Western world, which is the world in which we live in. So, you know, America needs to have a more permanent position so that, uh, you know, one administration following another administration, regardless of whether it's, or what colour it is, can uh, just continue and maintain that, that, that world order. And uh, that seems to be eroded. So we'll see what happens. And of course, the whole the whole foundation of democracy has been a little bit undermined by this latest set of circumstances and attacks on the Capitol building by Trump, rabid Trump supporters. But I think that'll kind of die back. But it is a concern. Anyway, that's a fairly dark and uh, <laughs> not particularly light-hearted look on the world. But there you go. You have to think about things like that sometimes. <sighs> but I'm not going to go on about that sort of stuff anymore. So, it's Tuesday. There is a school bus, which is a rare sight, ahead, just turning into Old Dam Lane. There was one school kid on the corner, really stopped by him, I didn't comment because I think I may have said hello, you might have heard that. But there was one school kid waiting for a school bus. He's likely to be the only kid on that bus. Certain ages, I think you have a choice. Most of the schools are not open, but I think the more junior schools are offering live classes. Pretty weird. You know, my bus, and Tommy, their buses were full. Now they should pick up one person, two people. What it must be like for these kids, I do not know. Anyway, what I will do is I will sign off now and say thank you for listening to Stutzcast. And uh, I may not post this for a couple of days because I'm probably not going to be 
uh, anyway thank you for listening to this and hopefully uh, you'll listen to another one soon bye bye